Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm Robin Robertson, the host and creator of this podcast, as well as an unschooling mom to two kids. And our family of four has been on this journey for, oh man, nine years and counting right now. And it's a new experience every year, every day. So if you listen to the last episode, you would know that we have some fantastic interviews and episodes and insights coming up for you this month and this entire season. We're really diving deeper into the areas of de-schooling and how it really, let me see, how the process can impact and impact in a more positive way, actually our learning journey. Because really, it's about a reflection, questioning, and a better understanding of ourselves and how we view the world around us. And this episode, this interview was a continuation of that and how de-schooling actually trickles into other aspects of our life apart from school or de-schooling school or that learning aspect. So if you're still looking for help, if you're new to homeschooling or at a point maybe halfway through this year where you're like, oh, I need a bit of support. I need a, a bit of help processing the de-schooling process or setting up a joyful or connected learning, home learning environment that flows instead of keeps getting stickier and stickier and stickier. My masterclass is still available. We begin at the end of this month. So if you're interested, DM me on social media or through my email. You can go to my website contact page or email me, Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, at I-M-H-O-M-E-S-C-H-O-O-L-I-N-G, Robin at I'mHomeschooling.com. So you can definitely check out my month-long masterclass. We meet once a week for two hours a week. And it's really a a place and space for exploration, support, inspiration, and grounding ourselves in some better knowledge information and building that foundation. Okay. The other thing I want to mention is, and it actually fits well because this episode is a wonderful interview with Rachel Rainbolt, and I'm so excited to have Rachel back on the show. Uh, Rachel's fantastic. She's a friend of mine, and I think you probably know, if you know us, we connect on so many ideas and values and beliefs around parenting and learning and living life. So Rachel actually was our last keynote, our keynote for our last How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler Summit on the Clubhouse app. You might have already known her or known her from there. I do want to let you know that we are having another summit coming up in March, How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler. I'll put the link in the show notes to sign up for the next summit. We have some 
new keynote speakers as well as myself and Kelly Edwards. The two of us are the creators of the summit. So go and check it out. It is going to be a fantastic day of inspiration. Trust me, you are going to want to be there and be a part of the speakers and the workshops as well. So now back to this episode, Rachel Rainbold is joining me on the show. And you'll probably know Rachel. She's the founder of Sage Family. She's a gentle parent. She believes in gentle parenting, natural homeschooling, and simple living. And her mentorship and coaching is built around that. She, you know, you, I'll, I'll let the introduction begin in the beginning of this episode, but here is what is really special as well. Rachel's journey in the de-schooling and that learning process, she's seen how it filters into all aspects of their life and how natural learning is natural living. And so what we're stepping into in this episode is talking about how learning and de-schooling filters into those other areas, which is the choices we make in our life, especially around things like money and It really is connected to unschooling, natural learning, and homeschooling, and you'll really understand the connection that we're making there. So enjoy the episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. So today, I'm excited to have Rachel Rainbold back on the podcast. Rachel, thanks so much for joining me again and joining the show. I'm very grateful to have you back on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me back. It just gives us another excuse to get to hang out and chat. <laughs> right. That's right. I hope we can do this more often. So if this is your first introduction to Rachel Rainbow, first, I recommend you going back to the first episode that she was on, where she talks about natural learning and how her family got into homeschooling and really how the natural learning process fits for them. And I think really fits for all children when we allow them that opportunity to support that environment as well and that connection. So if this is the first time you're being introduced to Rachel, she is the founder of Sage Family, a gentle parenting, natural homeschooling, and simple living mentor. With a master's degree in marital and family therapy, she has spent decades guiding thousands of overwhelmed families to peace and joy. Rachel works from the Pacific Northwest, where she lives wild and free in connection with her three wildlings and the papa bear and their fixer upper on the beach. Welcome. That's me in a nutshell. You in a nutshell, all summed up into a few words. (laughs) So Rachel, maybe you could give us just a really a brief rundown on what you guys do, you homeschool, but why does homeschooling connect with your family's values and beliefs? What about homeschooling says, yes, this is our family and this is why we do things? Yeah, I think like some of the values for my family, like connection, adventure, um, intentionality. I mean, all of these, I imagine it's similar to a lot of the words, you know, that would come up for your listeners. I know we have a similar audience, this natural homeschooling lifestyle, like really we can honor all of these like innate needs and ways of being in our family in a way that we we couldn't do in any other way. So we get to live an intentional life that's focused around the things that are important to us. And we get to define them for ourselves, like personal growth and self-direction and 
um, contributing in meaningful ways to the family and society and just all these things that are important to us, we can completely build a lifestyle around that within this natural homeschooling framework. And actually at this point, my kids are 16, 13, and 10, and my oldest is in college. She's in this great running start program that we have here where from 16 to 18, they can attend community college. And then at the end, they have like an associate degree and a high school diploma and a guaranteed awesome. transfer if they want to. Yeah. So she's actually <laughs> taking classes, but still like we just got back from a trip, like her classes are online right now. So we're still, it still feels like we are very much in that lifestyle, even as my kids like pick and choose to participate in different you know, structures that society has kind of set up for us. So did you live this lifestyle growing up? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that how oh, you know goodness. it? Or? <laughs> goodness, no. I was kind of like the opposite. I mean, so as someone from a therapy background, we often say that people respond to their childhoods by either like doing the same thing or doing the opposite. So for me, it's definitely closer to the opposite. No, my parents were... I came from a very dysfunctional family. So both of my parents have been married and divorced many, many times, have siblings, step siblings, ex step siblings moving all the time. My parents were not around that much. So I was in school all day, like before and after care or home alone, like classic eighties, like latchkey kid. Um, so no, it could not have been more different. So when I, you know, became a parent, like I really was passionate about doing things differently and started by really like centering the connection and honoring the needs of like human beings. And we're so, you know, in the mainstream path, we're kind of so far We've really so far off, we're kind of lost from what that is, like what humans actually need. It's why so many adults are running around like depressed and anxious and struggling and unhappy because um, our lifestyles really are not in alignment with what we actually need as people. So just kind of as, you know, we keep taking steps more and more in that, those directions, in the directions of our values. This is really where we ended up and our whole family feels really fulfilled and better for it. Mm. So I, I get that, how we either replicate what we've lived and know, or we try our best not to replicate what we've lived and know, and to be conscious and intentional about, I guess, trying to balance or make things better for what we experienced when we were younger. And I think many times for many homeschoolers, for homeschooling parents, that it's our first go around. I think a lot of us, a lot of it for us is similar. I know from myself, it's similar as well, where, you know, we've grown up and said, you know what, I don't want to do this as a parent or mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, you know, I think I want to try and do things differently. And therefore this is what we're going to support, or this is what we're going to do. This is what's important, or this is what has proven to be important for me because I was without this or I felt this or, you know, this happened, this chain of events happened and I can see maybe where it started or centered and hopefully we can shift things. I um, think a lot of parents on this path, we kind of start off um, 
making choices that meet the needs of our own inner child and our own wounds. And that is a good place to start. You know, there's sort of that quote, like be the parent you needed as a child. That's a good starting point. And then we have to evolve to be the parent that our child needs, you know, because their needs are very different. Um, So it's like a good starting point to to learn from your own experiences of like, oh, control-based parenting didn't feel good to me. And I observed that like, it didn't work very well. So it's a great start to shift our goals or how we want to live as a parent or within our family life and support our kids and support the role we want to play in that. That's a good start. And then where do we go from there? Really, I think I know like we want to talk about minimalism today, and it's a great point for it to enter the conversation because minimalism is really just letting go of all of the stuff that doesn't really matter so that you create space for what does. So uh, most people, when they hear minimalism, they think about like, you know, crap in their closets or, you know, like physical clutter, but there's all that, that's also true of education. I mean, unschooling is essentially minimalism for education. It's, Hey, instead of cramming a bunch of boxes of useless crap that your kid will probably never use in the attic of their mind, like, let's just see what we have a need for. And when we have a need for something like pick it up and acquire it and use it, you know, that's, I mean, that's essentially like minimalism for education and the same for, for parenting. It's letting go of all of the things that we, you know, we got these societal messages that we, that we needed to have or use or do, but really it's not helping my kid thrive and it's not feeling good for me. It's not meeting our needs. So let's just let all that stuff go and see what remains. Like if you let go of all the things you think you're, you should be doing or should not be doing, just get to know this human, get to know yourself as a human and focus on the connection between the two of you and living harmoniously. I mean, that's essentially like minimalism for <laughs> relationships, right? Right, right. Keeping it absolutely simple. So yeah. then where did you get to that point? Where where in your family life and even your homeschooling life, where did you guys realize that the simplicity and keeping it minimalism was where you wanted to go and it was important. And it also kept a really a clear path for your family in that way. Yeah. I think like it, it initially started with parenting, like where I went into parenting with all these degrees essentially in like motherhood and I was going to do everything right. And then I like met this kid and this kid just turned my whole world upside down and taught me like, oh, none of that is like relevant or right or makes sense or feels good or feels right or like is in alignment with what my intuition is telling me. So it started with that, like unpacking all that baggage, that that process that I kept coming to over and over in every new season of parenthood. And then with school, like we started putting our first in school and then very quickly realized like, oh, what I thought like education was and what I thought, how I thought learning worked was totally wrong. Like that's, this is not how people learn. You know, I saw this kid like with this fiery, passionate curiosity and innate drive for learning. And then school just, just was turning that light off, you know, and, and started questioning all of those things and then making my way gradually toward unschooling again, like unpacking all that educational baggage. And then that just kept extending to other areas of my life. So simplifying my home, simplifying our calendar, and really sort of the last big area that that moved through was money. 
So I had a big season where I dove really deep with money. Again, it's sort of that same process over and over again, like with parenting, with education, with lifestyle, and then with money as well. And each time I am like brave enough to dive deep in one of these areas and question all of these things that I thought were beyond question and simplify everything to what really matters and what really is effective and works well and helps us to be our best selves and live our best lives. Like I'm so rewarded for it and I'm always so glad that I did. So I'm glad you ended that with you're so rewarded for it. <laughs> rewarded doing that as well, because part of it is, it, you know, really in some ways it's counterculture, right? Mm-hmm. With education, with things, with um, also, I mean, in, with money as well. I think the way we spend money specifically, I should say that, not with money because, like, so I want to just be clear on that part as well. but. It, very much of it is like the more the better. Yeah, you know, if you this way you're not missing out. This way you have all the opportunities. This way your kids have all that knowledge and information and history or math or whatever. Their their brains are full every day because just in case, you know, you want to you want to be ahead of the game. You want to be ahead of everyone else. You want to make sure they have it all and know it all, and you have it all and know it all, so that you are. I don't know, successful at the head of the pack. I mean, there's so many ways or terminologies we even use in our society mm-hmm. to describe that. So yeah. winning the race that doesn't really exist. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what are your rewards then for doing the opposite to what so much of our culture wants us to do? Yeah. I mean, we get to live in full alignment with our values, which is Huge. I think part of how I got to talking about money, you know, too, like in conversations like this, is that when we're talking about like connection based parenting, when we're talking about homeschooling, when we're talking about living a lifestyle of, you know, experience rich lifestyle, a lot of the like money is sort of this this piece, it's kind of a key to unlocking these different levels of living this way. I would love to live in a world where we could just say, like, money doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm a total hippie. I have the word love tattooed on my arm. (laughs) I would love to live in that world, but that is not the world that we live in. Like money does have to be a part of these conversations. If we really want to help families get into this way of being, this way of being in connection, this way of living. So money definitely has to be a part of that. And really the reward is that you do get to access these kind of more this more like fullness of living out these values. So like we spend money, um, but we spend money on things that are in alignment with our values, things that, things that like adventures, experiences, traveling, um, and we don't spend money on like fancy clothes <laughs> or lots and lots of toys, right? Like we are members of our local buy nothing group and we post things that we're done with and we ask for things that we need. So like we just got back from this trip that we went on for a few days with my kids. We just booked this um sailing trip that we're going to be taking, like all of that stuff. Like I feel so good about spending money on. So it's not even necessarily that you you don't spend money, but it's that you put your money behind the things that really matter, that deliver the the fulfillment and the meaning um, that makes a difference for you. Like I just recorded a podcast episode with Matt, who I know you talked to, Mm -hmm. and we talked about giving. Like, so we can put our money behind, you know, those causes that are really meaningful to us, even in terms of giving, because we don't have a bunch bunch of money 
bleeding out to things like interest on debt or like our house is paid off. So we live like mortgage free. So that frees up this money that we can then spend um, on these things that really matter to us and help us to live in a way that feels best for us. Right. Okay. So then if I'm a parent who's listening and, and who's thinking, yeah, you know, I've been unpacking all of those things along the way. I've been unpacking my ideas and beliefs around learning and school and education and parenting. And I feel like the next step is money for me. Where would you recommend that I would begin? So the first like big section in my Sage Money course is essentially like de-schooling for money, which is, that's always the first step, right? When we're like starting to question this whole new thing, when we're talking about unschooling, it's de-schooling. We have to question like, okay, these are all the assumptions and beliefs and expectations that I had about learning, like what it is, what it looks like, how I'm going to engage with it in my life, how my, what it means for my kids, what is success on this path. We have to question all of those things, right? And so we have to do that with money too. Like, what does it mean to be successful with money? What are our earliest memories of money? What are the messages that we're carrying around money? What do we know to be true about money? Is that actually true? Like, so it's really just kind of bravely the first step engaging in in looking with a non-judgmental curiosity and sort of critical thinking lens at your relationship to money up to this point. Hmm. Non-judgmental curiosity. I love yeah. that. And I think you were one of the first people who I heard use that term. And I think we were talking about unschooling or a topic around de-schooling where that came up. And I think it's a great one. Uh, unjudgmental curiosity. So could you maybe give an example of something? Because I, I think for me, in some ways, I think like money, de-schooling money has probably been bigger for me personally. And I'm speaking about my own personal experience than de-schooling my idea about school, education, and learning. <laughs> and, you know, it's, um, I think, I mean, there's many reasons, but there is so much that, again, we grow up with and then are reinforced and then we find ourselves in and then it's reinforced again and that we play out. And then as adults, sometimes it almost feels like we can step away from quote unquote school um, mm -hmm. when we're adults, but we're always within that world somehow of our beliefs or our relationships to what we think about money. So yeah. non-judgmental curiosity, could you give an example of a way that we can look at something or an idea or belief with non-judgmental curiosity? Yeah. So like there was this person I followed who lived this great, like non, you know, countercultural lifestyle with his kids. And at one point I heard him say, just sort of in this interview, kind of in passing that, you know, money will always be stressful, but blah, 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 blah. And then went on with what he was saying. And as soon as he said that, like something in me kind of like, like I felt in my body, right. This, like this physical experience of like a tightening, like, Ooh, and that, that was an invite. Yeah. That was an invitation to me to like question that. So clearly that had been something that like, maybe I believed at one point or something that I had heard a lot when I was younger, that feeling to me, like in my body where I'm getting kind of hooked by something is an invitation to sit with that idea or that thought or that belief and be non-judgmentally curious about it. So that's, that looks like asking like, hmm, this is feeling like it has some weight for me. 
is money always stressful? Is that true for everyone? Is that true in every situation? Well, that could, does that always have to be true? Is that true in every place and every time? In what ways has money been stressful for me? In what ways is it not stressful for me? Like, you know, it's just, it's not even like a specific set of questions that would apply to everything. It's just being curious about this object. It's like if you just were walking through the grass and you saw this flower and you thought, oh, that flower looks interesting. And you get down and you take a closer look at it and you look at the way the light hits it and you might check out the stem. You might be curious if the, if it's pokey, you might smell it, right? Kind of the same thing about like, this is how we like do this work, this initial step of non-judgmental curiosity. When we, when we feel something that kind of hooks us is to get curious about, how that is rooted within us, what it's connected to, gently challenging it. Like, is that really true? Is that always true? Does it always have to be true? Is there a way to live? You know, it, it, can you live in a way where money isn't stressful? And I mean, speaking to that one particularly, I'll say money is not stressful for us. And I know a great many people for whom money is not stressful. And it's not so much like, oh, well, the more you have, the less stressful money is. Because actually research shows that's not true at all. You can not have a stressful relationship with money at every income level once your basic needs are met. Right. Um, so that's essentially what the research shows. Once your basic needs are met, your happiness or ease does not increase with more money. Um, so again, like I always, I'm kind of a nerd. So I'll like dig into the research on something like that. Like is money, oh, is that like an actual like scientific fact? What does the research show about that? So that's this non-judgmental curiosity can help you in challenging some of your beliefs and assumptions and expectations without triggering a lot of defensiveness. Because most of our baggage comes from our childhood. It comes from our parents whom we, whom, you know, we love and appreciate most of the time, um, from mentors in our lives, you know, people who helped raise us friends. It can come from media. They can come from these baggage, these messages, these discourses can come from everywhere. And sometimes when we have a lot of respect or admiration or affection for the source, it can be, it can trigger a lot of defensiveness for us to question it. Mm. Um, so if we have take this non-judgmental curiosity, um, that helps us to, to kind of get at questioning that thing without, without that wall coming up. Right. Right. Okay. So that's really clear. Um, you know, and I also want to just reinforce again as well that if someone, maybe someone's walking by and, and, and tuning in and maybe you're a listener right now and you have this playing on your speaker and someone asks, why are we talking about money when this is a podcast about <laughs> learning, self-directed learning and homeschooling and unschooling, it all ties, you know, we're really yeah. talking about unschooling our beliefs and de-schooling and money absolutely is part of that conversation because we begin to question so many times we, we go along just living and believing because that's what we've always done without stopping to ask why, or like you said, the non-judgmental curiosity, you know, questioning, you know, is this true? I've always followed this and believed this, but is this true? And is it true for me? And yeah. is, it, is it really applicable for me or for our values, our family and how we choose to live our life as well? And in the homeschooling context, like, is it going to help my children to be successful in whatever ways are meaningful to them? Right. You know, financial education is one of those things that like of, of all the things I would hope my children would learn by the time they launch, like mental health, um, you know, money would be one of them because that is a big piece to being able to live a meaningful life. You don't have to, you know, amass 
giant money bins full of gold coins that you can swim in. That's not it. But certainly having a healthy relationship with money is part of it. Right. So what is a healthy relationship with money? Is that different for everyone? Or what does that really mean to have a healthy relationship with money? Yeah, I would say the specifics look different for everyone, but it's essentially having a relationship with money where you, it feels good, (laughs) right? Like, like how does it, how do you define, like, if you have a healthy relationship with another person? Well, like you feel like they're a value add to your life. They're there for you when, when you need them, you can, you know, they're sort of a support for you when you're around them, you're not feeling triggered and you're not feeling stressed. It's kind of the same. We can, we can have that with like education or with money or, you know, with, with all different kinds of things um, in our lives. So I think you have a healthy relationship with money when it is a value add for your life. Like it's a tool that you can use um, instead of feeling like you're being used by it. Okay. Right. Right. Um, My husband and I were having the conversation about money this morning as well. And, you know, he says, because I've I've heard the term used money is an energy flow or it's a flow Mm -hmm. in many Uh ways. Some, and he likes to call it a game. (laughs) Cause he really, he likes games and all, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, it's, it's like a game, you know, it's, you know, you play and you learn and you play and you, you know, again, you, you learn and, and you take part in it. And sometimes you might step a bit back and then you move forward in your spaces or whatever yeah. you want to play. But um, so it's it, because it does support so many aspects of our life as well, too. It's not something that we can just ignore and step away from forever. It, it is a, an important part of life that is is through every thread of society in more ways than one <laughs> in yeah. deeper meanings than and for some parts of our world and society than others as well. Yeah. An energy flow that you can direct. Uh, like, I, I love that. I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it. I find that a lot of male identifying folks love the game analogy. Like that really does tend to resonate with them. So sometime in my work, sometimes I talk about it in the context of like winning, <laughs> like this is how you win with money. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm more of like the directing the flow of energy, yeah. like through, you know, financially through me in ways that help us to live this life in alignment with our values. But totally. My husband is uh, like, here's how you win the game of life with money. Yes. Yes. That's exactly the same myself as well. And with my husband as well, that's exactly it. I like what works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I want to know as well, and the next, so you're talking about non-judgmental curiosity, and then we are at that place where we're able to, you know, question and ask why, but also step away from that, I guess, emotion of it as well, mm-hmm. uh, that sometimes can confuse our, our questioning, being able yeah. to separate that and look at it. And then what next? Because what I'm going to ask you after is then how do we work that into our unschooling life or our learning life with our kids? But uh-huh. but when we're going from unjudgmental, non I keep saying unjudgmental, non-judgmental <laughs> curiosity, unschooling, that's what I'm thinking. Where do we go from there? Once we're starting to, to ask why and, and we're not um, wrapped up in our feelings or emotions with it, we're able to look at it critically. Yeah. Then you start to engage that critical thinking part of your brain, that intellectual part of your brain, um, where you start learning the basics, right? So if we like have de-schooled around education and we say, okay, 
learning doesn't necessarily only take place like sitting behind a desk, quiet and still in a classroom while a person in a position of authority talks and you just like receive and absorb it all. Like if that's not the only way that learning can look, you know, we're sort of like unpacking all of that stuff. Then we get to the place of, okay, so what does learning look like? Like what does learning look like for this kid in this place in this time? How do they learn best? Like, how does learning work? Like, what does the science say about learning about how learning works? What does this kid need? You know, what feels good for us? All of that kind of stuff. So once you kind of clear declutter, <laughs> all of the stuff that's keeping you stuck, then you are free to start actually picking up the pieces that work really well for you. So that's really where you learn how to be efficient with money. I find that in terms of like minimalism and personal finance, like efficiency is a key part for me. So it's not necessarily about getting more and more money. It's about learning how to use every dollar in a way that leverages you for deeper into the lifestyle that you want to live. So again, not about like more, 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 right? Like it's about using every dollar with intention, which is essentially what we talk about when we talk about learning and unschooling or gentle parenting, respectful parenting. It's about using each dollar with intention. So then you move into that learning phase about like, um, like we are debt-free. Like we find that debt freedom is just the most efficient and simple way of getting where we want to be and living the way that we want to live. Uh, Like different retirement accounts. I mean, savings, automation is my favorite. I have to say, if I'm giving like one hot tip, it would be automation. So like sit down and proactively set up like kind of automatic deposits to all of the places where you need them to go, where you're saving first. So like the paycheck comes in and automatically, you know, a thousand goes here or $2 goes there, whatever you can, whatever gap you can create, it happens automatically. And then you're just living off of what remains. So there are some like specific, Hey, here's what research shows works really well based on like how the human mind works. And like, these are specific, some financial like information and knowledge that you need to know and understand in order to be able to use money to your advantage. Um, So that's kind of that next like learning phase. And in terms of kids, we can invite them in alongside us as we move through this journey. Okay. Okay. So do you believe in sharing a lot of like the money conversation with her? Yes, absolutely. So that's one of those kids. Yes. That's one of those things that like we kind of de-schooled and unpacked early on was that like money is taboo. We don't talk about money. And in terms of like anti-racism work, I just have to say like that money taboo is one of the things that keeps people who are there on the receiving end of systemic oppression down. Because if we say, oh, you're not allowed to have conversations about this. You can't talk about it. That just keeps people who already know how to win with money, winning with money and people who don't know how to win with money. It denies them access to that information. So I think that these conversations are essential and we should be just as open and honest um, about these money conversations as we are about other things that are really important. So yes, we definitely include our kids in these conversations about money. I like to think of it as um, like giving them a seat at the table. So for example, when we plan a trip, we will all sit down together and say, okay, what are the experiences that you're most looking forward to? Here are some options. Here's you know the amount of money we have set aside. Where should we 
spent, you know, how should we spend the money? We could get this lodging that's nicer, has more amenities, but then we have, you know, less experiences we can do. And that's just sort of one microcosm of what it looks like of giving them a seat at the table, but they get to see all of the real numbers and they get to have a meaningful say in how we spend it. So if, if my kid says, Hey, I really want to participate in this thing. And we have X amount of money budgeted that month for that thing. I might say, okay, well, if we want to say yes to this, we have to say no to something else. So what do you think we could say no to in order to create the space for that? Okay. So then how much is, because I, I can hear someone saying, well, how much really should I share? So that's great. We're planning a trip and budgeting for that, for example. But what if you're in massive debt, for example, or um, there's fluctuations in what you're earning in your finances? How much of that, like how, how much of that do you share with your kids or do you pick and choose or are they part of the process from the beginning? They have a seat at the table so that they understand, okay, this is where we're at. And then this is how we plan to move forward. Yeah, well, I, th- I think a good like comparison because people tend to feel almost like just as triggered by it is conversations about sex, right? So if we're on the unschooling path, how we view like learning and education is that like our kids come to us with questions or curiosities or they're having different experiences and we sort of offer and invite information and our own personal experiences and resources and other people um, as like we see that they like might have an interest in learning more about those things. And really it's the same with money. So our work is to like, do the work of not being triggered by it or evolving ourselves and learning ourselves and growing ourselves really is the word I'm looking for, like growing yourself to the point that you can have these conversations without the reactivity, without putting your own issues on your kid. And it's the same with money. So if your kid asks like, oh, how much money did we make this month? Like they're not bringing all the baggage. Like all of a sudden messages might fly up in your head. Like, oh, we don't talk about that. And that's, you know, all the meaning behind a question like that, that your kid doesn't have. And like, so we don't have to put that on our kid. We can just keep it really simple and say, oh, they, you know, they're having like, tell me about like, tell me about what's going on. Like, why are you curious about that? You know, and, and figure out like what the need is and then give them the information that can help them to fill in the gap that they're, that they're working on. I mean, numbers are just numbers. Like it's, it's just, it's math. It's like natural math. It's natural numeracy. So it can actually be really advantageous, particularly on the unschooling path. I have to say money has been one of the most motivating areas where my kids play with numbers and and learn about how numbers work. Right. It's real. And yeah. <laughs> they know that it's like the power of it's empowering yes. in that way. So it, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's right there. It's like, this is, this is my life. This is what I can do. This is yes. how I can use it. And this is where I can go by, by this math or, you know, by this mm-hmm. conversation and by financial liter- literacy as well too. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so, I was smiling because, yeah, I think of those times where my kids have asked, you know, and before, you know, and the, the, the immediate like, oh, no, how do I, you know, answer this or I've been through that. I know it, you know, and then you think, OK, this is they just don't know and they're curious. This is not them yeah. knowing something that I'm maybe afraid to share or ashamed of in some ways or think uh-huh. they shouldn't know. This is just wanting to know because they're curious and they saw something or they saw a spreadsheet or they saw, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, I think the funniest conversations are with grandparents <laughs> as well. And that's also well, because I think of the conversations, for example, that my kids have 
with my parents and my parents are very different when it comes to money and their Mm -hmm. values and ideas around money, um, which happens sometimes too, right? When there are parents who are on opposite sides of things or Mm -hmm. their ideas on opposite sides of things. So the conversations that come out of that and then they bring back, it's really interesting also when you're going through that process yourself. For example, for me as a parent, going through that de-schooling process around money and the values and ideas around it. And then hearing that and thinking, oh, wow, that's right. Like that's, that's what I always thought. Yeah, that's it. That's why. Right. You know, it's like a light bulb moment. Yeah. I try to to contextualize those, like whether we're talking about like Santa or religion or people's beliefs about money. I try to contextualize those messages with my kids as, oh yeah, grandma believes X, Y, and Z. Like I believe, you know, A, B, and C. What do you believe? Or I wonder what you're going to believe. Or, you know, like, so whenever I can like frame those things as, it helps to kind of break down that that is not a truth with a capital T. Like that is, there are so many personal truths for people. And so that is something that grandma believes and and I believe something different. And what do you think you believe? Or what do you think about this? What are you going to believe? I I think that that framing can help when you're, when you're, as your kids are becoming aware that there are all these different pieces and stories that they can, that they can pick up and try on and really just letting it be self-directed, right? Which is again, like what we always talk about with unschooling. Like I offer, I invite, I plant things in the environment, including like information about money or about our personal finances, but I, I, I let them lead. Like I want them to be free thinkers. Right. And then I'm also not putting my own stuff on them in terms of like oversharing, you know, like if my kid was like, you know, like we, I mentioned the sex conversations earlier. Like if my kid is like, what does this word mean? I'm not going to like go into immense details about my like <laughs> sexual evolution. Right. Like that's not what they're asking. They that's not exactly relevant. That's like that's not what the gap is that they're trying to fill in. So like, just take it like one step at a time. Like, what are they interested in? What are they asking about? What are they needing? And then we can just offer and invite and plant things in the environment and financial books or not be afraid to have conversations when they're in the room, you know, along as again, we're growing into being able to have these conversations in healthy ways. Like if we have a healthy relationship with money, um, then even things like a big bill doesn't necessarily have to be stressful. Like we can just talk about, oh, hey, this big bill came in that we weren't expecting. Like, okay, well, we can move the money from our emergency fund. That's what it's for. That's what we've saved it for. So I'm so glad that we have it there and we can transfer that over and cover it. And then for the next couple months, we'll adjust that auto savings to go into the emergency fund till it's filled back up and then we'll move it back. So when kids like hear conversations like that, like that's good for them. That's good to hear. You know, it's you role modeling what having a healthy relationship with money looks like and filling in some of those details for them. Right, right. And I also understand that as well by role modeling that and having that conversation of going through the process. And then also before you're talking about framing, then again, it's also not putting those um like the emotion or the ideas that someone believes that and therefore it's bad or wrong, or I mm-hmm. believe that and it's right or wrong or it's bad or it's negative or positive as well. It's just giving saying here, you know, here's this container, what they believe, and here's this container and what is yours. And and you can sift through it and then find your way in that as well. So, yeah, like our kids know that our 
ultimate, like the, the direction that we have our compass set to is financial freedom. Like that's the direction in which we always move toward with our finances. And that doesn't mean that we necessarily put that on our kids. Like your goal in life needs to be to to have financial freedom um, so that your choices are fully your own. And you get like, I'm not trying to put that on them. My husband and I are just excitedly and happily, you know, living this lifestyle and having this relationship with money that we have. And since the kids get to, we get, we live that openly in front of them, then that is going to be kind of their, their default. But of course they're welcome to, you know, find their own way and choose their own path. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I get that. I totally get that. Absolutely. Okay. So then I know, well, one, I know you're a fantastic resource and I would also like to talk about the course that you have too, but I, and other resources as well. I know um, you have books that you started reading in the beginning. I mean, you're talking about, you know, you're a nerd. I'm, I'm a nerd too, where I like to dive in and just read books and research and ask questions and find out what, you know, what was good for you on that path when you were looking for information and resources to start your journey? Yes. That's such a great question. And I'm going to turn around and see I have all these books behind me. And I can look so I can actually tell you the names of my favorite ones. Okay. So we have A Simple Path to Wealth. That one is definitely one of my favorites. Um, Dave Ramsey's total money makeover was a helpful one. Vicki Robbins, your money or your life. That one was great. Vicki Robbins, your money or your life. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she's fantastic. The four hour work week, which I know that, you know, and it's not directly a financial book, but it is in a lot of important ways. It helps you to kind of change your relationship with like time for money and, how you think about working, which is obviously connected with money. Yes. Let's see. Let me just look and make sure those are all of my top choices. Yeah, I think those are my top picks. I have a blog post too, where I think I break down um, my favorite books and why they were my favorites. But I try and like, there's not any like one um, like person's work that I follow religiously, but like get it that those books were like really helpful for me in that initial deep dive of like, okay, everything I thought I understood about money is not working to help me live the life that I want to have and have the relationship with money that I want to have. So like, I need to dive deep into this, like both so I can question everything, but then also so I can get the knowledge and the information that I don't have, like that I never learned. Um, Cause I know that it's possible. I do see that there's some people out there um, living a really intentional life where money is like this value add for them, this energy that they can direct, right? Like you said. Um, and so all these different sources definitely played into that. I find personally that I feel almost annoyed when people or books are like, you just like, like the secret, but on steroids, you know, like manifesting, <laughs> like it, manifestation can't be the end of the conversation. Like just believe that you're going to have a million dollar check land in your mailbox you tomorrow. Yeah. And then you're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are obviously a great many more steps than that. So I need some actual like details, some information to like, yes, that's nice. That's great. We want to like welcome money in, but like, but like logistically, <laughs> Right, right. Like when a dollar comes in, what do you do with it? Like what buckets do you fill and in what order? So that was really a, a 
part of the fun of the learning for me was looking at what all of the research shows, like when people are winning with money, like we talked about, what are they doing? Like, where are they actually putting each of those dollars and in what order? And um, so that was the stuff where I find that there's just this big knowledge gap, particularly for women, where we are often not invited into those conversations about money. I had never even heard most of this information that I learned, which is really why my Sage Money course I mean, families do it all together, couples do it together, but I'm really talking to the mothers because they direct, it's something like 78% of household spending. Um, and yet they're not invited into those money conversations. Right. So we we were never really told how to make money work for us. So kind of filling in all of that information and really simple steps um, for women who are, you know, taking care of the family and directing the household spending most of the time. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because I think of even marketing research, and usually it is, especially if it's a family, many times it's targeted toward the mother yeah. of that family. If you're looking at a parent, more often than not, it's going to be the mother that you're that the marketing is targeted to because the mother is the one who who spends or chooses where it's going to be spent. But if you go further back, that's right. The conversation of, you know, earning, understanding, literacy in in money and finance and your personal world with that is there's a huge gap. Absolutely. Yeah. Most of it is written by men for men. And when yes. a woman walks into the room, they stop talking. Yeah. And so we're the ones who are directing most of the household spending. Most people are familiar with like the, the wage gap, the income gap that women earn like 70 cents on the dollar. And that actually doesn't factor in the fact that most women have part-time work because they have to caretake for children and other family members. So it's actually more like I don't remember. I have it in the course, something like 35 cents or something like that to every dollar a man earns when you factor that in. But even worse is the wealth gap. So women, you know, in terms of like your net worth, the actual wealth that you acquire over your lifetime, women have a fraction of the wealth that men do. And yet we are the ones who live longer and take care of all of the family members as we get older. So we have like almost no retirement. Men have huge retirement buckets but we're the ones who live longer and then have to take care of everyone in our later years. So, I mean, those are just like some small details of like why this is really important. Like, yes, in the here and now, like I get to do the things with my kids that I want to do. Like my kids sail and we're going to this regatta over like in a different state and we're going to spend like a week there and connect with our friends and have fun. Like, yes, I get to do that in the here and now. So there's like that huge benefit of living a life that I want to live in the present moment being available and present with my kids in the way that I want to be. But then there's also like this bigger systemic societal stuff and the more long-term stuff about taking care of the you that is waiting for you a few decades into the future. No one else is going to take care of her if you don't. Right. And it's, it's impertinent to do that now instead of yeah. waiting until that time comes. And then, you know, it's everything else that comes with it and it feels like it's too late or we're yeah. scrambling or feeling unsupported and unable and in so many ways, not independent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That financial freedom. Again, like I love that term because that's exactly what it is and money. Like I want my money to make money as J.L. Collins says, yeah. like I want my money to earn me money. Yeah. And that happened. Like you need time. Like time is part of the formula for get to get interest growing in your favor. Um, you need time. So like when you start doing this matters, I mean, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. <laughs> so 
like it's not too late if anyone listening. Yes. Yeah. You can still start now. It's not too late. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Don't feel that it's too late and never mind now, but you can still, you can still do that. Yeah. So I, I think I understand why the Sage Money course, why you wanted to create it and build it and offer it. That's the big reasoning behind it. The big why behind it, the purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted a lot of, I think a big benefit or like purpose behind why I like live out loud, as I say, which is basically just like where I live this non-traditional life with my kids and I kind of publicly share it. It's just so other people can see like, oh, there's this other way to like live and learn as a family. And the financial piece, again, it's like that that part, like, oh, we, do, we don't want to talk about that. You know, we don't want to talk about my but it, it is an essential ingredient in being able to do what I do. Like, I wish that it wasn't, but it is. And so a lot of people would say like, oh yeah, that's nice. Like if you're, you know, rich, well, (laughs) fair criticism in the sense that what they're really saying when they say that is we need, I don't, there's this gap in the financial part to like you being able to do this that I don't know. And and why are, I would love, I would benefit from you sharing that part. Like that's how I interpret what it is that they're saying. And so that's what I started doing. <laughs> right. And I, and I think that, and this is one of the reasons I usually say why I started the podcast, because we need more of those stories to be told. Yeah. It is important to, you know, share, share it and speak out loud and tell those stories and explain our why and what we're creating and doing, because if they're not, then many won't think they're possible, that it's not being Yes. Done, How many times do we hear like homeschooling them. is a privilege? Totally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I want this privilege to be accessible. <laughs> you know, like if you want to call it a privilege, I want it to be accessible to far more people. Again, so like take that like veil of secrecy down and okay, here's literally like dollar for dollar, like how we do it. And this is what the research shows. And this is what the surveys say, you know, other people who are living this kind of lifestyle that you're trying to get to are making it happen. Right. Absolutely. So I'm going to include in the show notes, your, well, your, when your blog post on your favorite books and resources and your books, uh, but as well Sage Money course, can we go to your website to access it? Can you tell us if anyone does again, if you don't know Rachel, which you should by now, and I encourage you to go to her Instagram, to her website, learn more about what she does, what she's created and what she supports as well. Um, Tell us more of how we can get access to this information, where we can find you and participate and learn more as well. How we can yes. become self-directed and independent for ourselves. Yes. As others, as women, as unschoolers, as people in this world. Yes. Okay. Yes. So sagefamily.com is my website. If you go to sagefamily.com slash sage-money, that'll take you right to the Sage Money course. I also, under the freebies on my website, have a um, money mojo quiz that'll kind of help you see like where you are today. Um, so that's just like a fun little freebie. And then I'm sage.family on Instagram, where I know we get to keep in touch a lot in chat. I'm really active over there. And then I have the Sage Family podcast. So if you're looking for more free resources, I have a lot of like personal finance episodes um, over on that podcast. I weave them in with lots of like gentle, conscious, respectful parenting and natural homeschooling, some minimalism. And then I weave in some personal finance. Just <laughs> so again, it's like we're trying to weave this tapestry of this like living a meaningful life and 
that it, personal finance is definitely one of those strands. Yeah. Thank you. I know it's through your podcast. When you started including episodes on money and intentionality with our money and finances that I started listening because I started listening to the episodes <sighs> that you had and that then I, you know, then you start to venture out more to look, you know, do that research. Yes. Right. So it was really good. I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful that you started doing that and that for the work that you do, I always am, but I, I know that is definitely when you started having those early episodes. I think now it's been well over a year or more when you started airing episodes that include that. So I'm so honored. Thank you so much. I just, yeah, for people out there who are like walking that gentle parenting path or that natural homeschooling path, you know, living this like life of intention. If you haven't like spread that out to the money yet, it is so rewarding and worthwhile to do so. And it just helps you to amplify all of those values that you're trying to live in alignment with. Yes, absolutely. And I do just want to add as well that it is accessible. We want it to be accessible for everyone and it Uh is accessible and it's not, it's not just for a few. And I think the more people that get that information and knowledge and start understanding that and applying it for their own lives, the more empowered each one of us will be, which then directly affects the whole as well. I think it's an important conversation for us all and as well in our own personal freedom and independence too, in that way. Yes. Yes. To all that preaching hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you can't see us, I've been nodding this whole time and yes, smiling. Yes. We've got our hands up. Absolutely. So Thank you so much, Rachel. I want, we're, we are, this will, when you listen to this will be January, but we're airing, we're recording this just before Christmas time. So I'm, I know the two of us will probably head back to what we were doing before we started. <laughs> so I'm going to be respectful of all of our time and, and season right now. So I appreciate you. Thank you. And I know this will be well received and I'm looking forward to more. Oh, Robin, thank you so much for having me. Every time I get to have a conversation with you, whether it's for your podcast or my podcast or on Clubhouse, it is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and putting out there. It's so great to have like an ally in this work of just trying to help families like live their best life. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Yeah. The more the merrier. Absolutely. We want it to grow. We want it to grow everyone. Yeah. Please put me out of business. Like, yes, I would love nothing. More. Yes, right. <laughs> Like spread it. Absolutely. Yes. Like, yes. like, yes, that's exactly it. Absolutely. The day, I, the day that you all put me out of business, cause you're all just happy and thriving and your kids are thriving and you're feeling connected and like, I will happily retire. So yes, please celebration. Yes. Yes. It's yes. Not, it's great. It's not as sad. It's, it's joyful. It absolutely <laughs> is joyful. I agree. Absolutely. Okay. This is a good way to, to end this today and to, to begin this season. So thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website imhomeschooling.com or email me directly robin at imhomeschooling.com. Mm-hmm.